Awesome. Thank you, band. You guys can sit down. You can sit down. Nice. Turn to your neighbor and say you're looking beautiful today. You can, you can drag out the beautiful. Beautiful. Nice. Look at that. I'm going to arrange my... I'm ready to go. Awesome. Hey, who enjoys Sunday? Quick, quick survey. Who considers Sunday to be the start of the week? Yeah? Who considers Sunday to be the end of the week? Yeah? No, no. There's not a wrong, there's not a right or a wrong answer. Um, I reckon it's cool either way. Uh, you know, I think it's cool to, to end the week on a high note, um, but it's also cool to begin the week on, on a high note. So either way, whichever, whichever way you think about it, um, I reckon it's good. It's a good thing to be in church on Sunday. Uh, and my apologies, you might have told by my voice, I sound a little bit more like Barry White than usual. Obviously, I always, you know, have dulcet tones, but uh, today I have got a bit of a cold. So if I say something and it sounds like it was really important and you didn't hear it, just turn to your neighbor and be like, what did he say? If neither of you know, just stick up your hand and be like, bro, you mumbled. I don't know what you said. Um, that will be quite, quite all right. Hey, um, I want to talk to you about this, uh, this idea that we've been exploring for the last ooh, month now. We're, we're, we're into it. Uh, around Ephesians and, and around this idea... In Ephesians of, of Paul uh, communicating this idea to, to the church in Ephesus of what, what does it look like to have real faith? What does it look like to, to, have, to understand real grace? What does it look like to, to love each other with, with real love? You know, this time uh, last week, Pastor Jordan spoke about what does it look like to, to live connected to, to real power. And if you weren't here, I just want to recap his message because I kind of want to move from that to, to what we're going to talk about today, right? So, so last week, he, uh, Jordan talked from Ephesians chapter 3, and he talked from verses 14 to 21 about how real power comes from trust, right? Trust in, in God, trust in Jesus, but that it's also rooted in love, Right, that, that it comes from trusting God, but, but it, it, it's really from being rooted, from, from finding our strength and our attachment, our anchor in God's love for us. But when we're rooted in God's love, we start to have the power to understand what He's doing, who He is, wh- where He's moving. And, and once we understand it, we need to experience it because there are some things we just can't fit in our minds. Some things are, are bigger, right? And so today I want to look at uh, the, the next kind of verse moving forward, which is Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to look at verses 1 to 6 and continue this idea of what does it look like to have a real relationship with God. But today I really want to look at what does it look like to have real faith, right? What, what does it look like to be Christians whose relationship with God changes everything about our lives, right? Because obviously we're all here for a reason, yeah? Maybe the reason you showed up is because you were dragged here. That's still a reason, right? Maybe the reason you showed up is because if you're honest, it's just habit. This is what you do on a Sunday. Maybe you came because you, you felt like, man, last week was hard and I need topping up. Maybe this is something that you deliberately do every week. No, I want to meet together with my, my friends and family and I want to meet with Jesus, right? But, but we're here for a reason, and, and, and so that reason needs to move from a Sunday morning to the rest of our lives, right? I don't know about you, but, but so often for me, I can find that, that my faith is, without me meaning to, I kind of pen it in. You know what I mean? I, I, I create like a little spot and I'm like, look, faith, you can go there. The rest of my life and me will go over here. And when I need you, I'll come back over here. I'll, I'll open the gate. I'll step in. And we'll have some faith. But, but, but then when I'm all right again, I'll just I'll step out. I'll close the gate and I'll go back to me. I don't know about you, but, but I don't think that's the way that I'm meant to live. 
So I want to look at today, how can we change that? So turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to verse, read from verse 1. I'm reading the message version. Um, you can read whichever version you like, but it'll be the same words as me if it's the message. There we go, it's up there. It says this, read along with me. In light of all of this, don't read along with me. Read along with me in your head. That was, sorry, my bad. Otherwise, I'd get distracted. In light of all of this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Why don't you bow your heads with me and let's pray. God, I thank you for the, for the opportunity it is to get together together as your people. God, to get to push into to what it is that you're saying to us, God. What, what do you want us to know as we move into another week? What, what, where can we grow? Where can we pick ourselves up? Where, where do we need repairing? Where can we be convicted, God? But also, where can you paint us a, a beautiful dream, God? God, where can we see that, that you want to do amazing things with us and through us, God? God, I pray that, that as I'm speaking, it wouldn't be my voice, it wouldn't be my words, God, but that you would speak to us through this time. God, we choose to, to listen to you right now. We set aside this time. In your name, amen. Because how often in our, in our lives, right, is, is our faith not really functional? Right, is, is our faith not really real. Is our, our faith kind of sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves, kind of relegated to the same status as maybe an ornament on the mantle, right? Sometimes it's a tool, something that, that, that we, we take down when we need it and, and, and we use, but we, we put it back when we're done with it, right? See, see what, I, what I love about church is, is church is a space where, where we can gather together and we can realize that there's something more to our lives than what we thought there was when we came in. Right? We can realize that there's something bigger is going on than what we thought there was when we walked in in the morning. You know, yesterday uh, was an interesting day for me. Um, I've been sick for the last kind of two days, really. Um, and, and, and before that, Emma, my wife, who you will have noticed is not here, um, she'd been sick for the last, like, two weeks on the 17th. Wednesday the 17th, she went home from work because uh, she had, like, a vomiting bug. Right? Oh, sorry if you're feeling queasy. Trigger warning. Um, <laughs> If you are still feeling queasy, maybe cover your ears. Um, but, but she went home, and, and she was off sick for like three days or so. She's not pregnant, just in case you come up to me afterwards and like, ah, she's pregnant. She's not, okay? Just get that done. It's a gastro bug, right? Um, we checked. It's a gastro bug. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, right? Anyway, anyway, let me get into my story. You can, you can still ask me afterwards. My answer will still be the same, right? And may, maybe it'll turn out, and then you can be like, oh, I knew, and who cares? Um, so, so she went home, she, she was sick, uh, she was sick for a couple of days, and, and then she kind of came right, and then I got sick, so she was looking after me, you know, taking turns. Um, and then yesterday, we were, we were in town, you might have seen, we had a piece of pie, it was delicious pie. I don't think the pie made her sick. Anyway, um, 
and, and we're walking back to the, up to the car, and she got really ill again, and she threw up on the side of the road, which I always feel bad about. I'm like, who's going to clean that up? Not us. Let's go. Um, so sorry if you're if that's your job. Um, but, and so we're driving home, and, and we get home, and it's about 2 o'clock, and from then until about 6 o'clock, every 15 minutes, she's throwing up. And I'm like, man, I don't throw up. Like, I haven't thrown up in like eight years. I was like, but I'm still pretty sure this is not normal. This isn't how you're meant to, not how things are meant to work. Uh, so my mum's a doctor, so I ring my mum. I'm like, mum, help. I don't know what's going on. She's like, no, no, she should be all right. Um, but you probably want to take her along to the after hours medical center, which for those of you who don't know, it's like the non-accident and emergency, right? So there's no one with like broken legs or anything, just people with sick tummies and, and that kind of thing. So I ring them up and I'm like, hey, how's your weight? Because there can be a really long wait and no one wants to hang out in a thing vomiting. Like, yeah, nah, dumb. Right, so I ring them up and they're like, no, nah, it's all right, but we'll just put you through to the healthline nurse just to check if, you know, just to make sure it, it's all sweet. So I talked to the healthline nurse and long story short, healthline nurse is like, look, love, she called me love, made me feel a lot better. Um, she was like, I think you need to get that little lady off to the hospital. I was like, oh, right, okay. In the car we get. And all of a sudden I realized that, that my base level of faith uh, isn't my maximum level of faith, right? My level of faith when I'm just driving to work and praying, you know, God, help me to have a great day today. Help me to encounter people. Help me to, to, to be a difference in my workplace. That wasn't the same level of faith, and it wasn't the same level of prayer as I had when I was driving the car with Emma throwing up next to me going, God, let this just be a stomach bug. Let this not be serious. I don't like hospitals. I do not want to be going here. Please let this be fine. Right, because there's something about our lives where what we do on Sunday, it needs to touch the ground on Saturday night when your wife's throwing up in the car next to you. Right, there's something about our lives when what we do here in a church, if it doesn't help us in everyday life, if it's not applicable, if it's not functional, if our faith isn't real, if it only exists in this bubble of church, no matter how amazing it is here, what is it actually worth? Is it a relationship with God if we only see Him for a couple of hours every week? Do we really know Him? Is it making a difference? Can we say that we're following Him if this is all it happens to? So, so, so today I want to look at what does it look like to have a faith that, that touches down on a Saturday night, that, that actually changes our life, a, a functional faith. Has anyone ever encountered one of these? Can everyone see? What, what's that, right? This is a pair of scissors. But beyond that, this is the most annoying pair of scissors in the world, right? Because this isn't a pair of scissors. This is a pair of safety scissors. So what that means is this, scissors, this pair of scissors is good for nothing, right? Think about, when you think about what, what do you use a pair of scissors for? Cutting things, right? What can this pair of safety scissors do? Cut nothing, right? So it, it, it's relegated to literally it can do nothing, Right, I, I want to show you. I, I need a volunteer. Anyone feeling voluntary? Isaac's feeling voluntary. Come on up here, Isaac. Yeah, put your hands together for Isaac, most handsome young man in church. Come stand here, Isaac, and uh, hold my pair of safety scissors for me. Just show them to everyone. This is Isaac, ladies and gentlemen, very handsome, great stock. Uh, Dougal is his father. He's Equipus Church's answer to George Clooney. So, I don't know. George Clooney doesn't have any kids I know of, so sorry. Was that too much for you? He's, he's choking. He's choking on the compliments. You're good. You're good. You're fine. All right. So, Isaac, what I'd like you to do is, who knows what this is? This is an ice cream container lid. I've seen a lot of ice cream containers in the last 24 hours. This one is clean. Um, Isaac, I would like you to take your pair of safety scissors. Don't do it yet. We have to build up the anticipation, right? I'd like you to take your pair of safety scissors and demonstrate for our lovely friends and family here 
how you can cut it with your pair of safety scissors. Really give it a go. Come on, try. Try. Not try so hard that it actually does it, because it would ruin my illustration. Right, but how you going? Yeah, going good. You can keep on doing that. Just do that for a while, right? Now here, I have a pair of real scissors, right? Can I get a hoo? Yeah, real, yeah, yeah. real scissors, right? Careful with the real scissors. Don't. You broke the safety scissors. That actually works all right for my illustration. You can drop them. <laughs> right, now, um, now take these real scissors. Careful. Caref yeah, you know how to hold real scissors? Yeah, good. Right, now, not yet. Now I would like you to try and cut our, uh, our piece of, yeah, oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, oh look at that. We, for those of you listening in podcast land, he has made, uh, made contact. Yeah, keep on going all the way, all the way. And did you hear that? Yeah, put your hands together for Isaac. That was amazing. You can go sit down, put the scissors over here. Yeah, you can take the safety scissors with you. Right, how often in life is our faith kind of like a pair of safety scissors? Right, it, it looks like it should work for us. It looks like it, it should do what we need it to. It, it looks like it should be functional. When we look at that pair of safety scissors and the pair of real scissors, there wasn't really any discernible difference. Both of them have got blades, both of them have got handles, both of them have got a hinge that allows it to come together. But there's something different about the safety scissors that means that, that the very task for which they're designed, they can't actually accomplish. The very thing that they're meant to do when you try and use them, not only can they not do it, they end up breaking on you. Right? So see, in life, I think we can have a safety scissor faith, or we can have a real faith. Right, we can have a faith that is, is dulled or, or often masked, or we can have a faith that, that actually cuts through. See, I've got four points today about what, what makes, what allows us to have a real faith. My first point is that real faith is free. Right, it, it, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 in that, that first section, in light of all of this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. See, see, real faith is about running and not walking. But what stops us from running? What stops us from being able to get out in life and run to where we know we need to go? What stops us from being able to have a dream and, and place it on the horizon and say, I'm running towards that until it becomes reality? I see my workmates knowing God, and I'm running towards that until it's true. I see my family restored, and I'm running towards that until I know it's true. I, I see this room full of people worshiping God, and I'm running towards that until it's true. What stops us halfway through running and turns it into a walk again? And then maybe turns it into slowing down, maybe even a standstill. See, I think the same thing that, that changes a pair of functional, helpful scissors into safety scissors is, is what turns a run into a walk. See, we walk when we're not free. We walk when we're oppressed under the weight of our mistakes, of our guilt, of our shame, our past hurts, our sins. When we're overburdened, we find that we can't move the way that we want to. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are summoned by such a huge crowd of witnesses to live the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. See, the difference between safety scissors and scissors that can cut is that safety scissors are masked. 
Safety scissors are not free. Their blade is not being given freedom. They're, they're covered in something. They've been dulled. They're, they're overburdened. They're encumbered. See, real faith needs to be free. But, but more often than not, what I do when I feel weighed down, what I do when, when I feel that I can't run, what I do when I feel like my faith is a pair of safety scissors that, that isn't really functional, it's not doing anything, it might look like it helps, but in real life when the going gets tough, it falls apart on me. What I do when that happens is, is rather than saying, man, I need to strip off every weight that slows me down, especially that the sin that so easily trips me up, instead of saying that, I just pretend that I'm okay. Right? Instead of saying that, I, I put on a mask. I don't know about you, but, but three masks for me that I seem to always be putting on and having to take off. One is the strength mask. Right? No, no, I'm okay. I can do this. I got it. I'm strong enough. I just, need, I just need to push through a little bit more. I just need to try a little bit harder. I just need to put in a little bit more time, a little bit more hours. Like Isaac, when he was trying to cut I just need to push a little bit harder. I just need to try a little bit more, just a little bit more time, and, and, and it will cut, and, and then the scissors break. Right? And another mask that I find that I'm always putting on is, is the happy mask. Right? Things aren't going well. But if I actually admitted that to myself, I would be scared. If I admitted to myself that there were things in my life that were not where, they, where I needed them to be, that there maybe things weren't working as well as they should be. That would scare me. And so I just pretend that everything's fine. Not just to everyone else, but sometimes even to myself. No, no, it's fine. No, we're great. No, no, no. And I just pretend the problem doesn't exist. The, the third mask that I find I, I often put on is the victim mask. Right, the scissors break, and so I say I'll never cut anything again. I'm damaged. I'm done. I'm out of the game. I'm on the sideline. No, not to get repaired, not to heal, not, not to rehabilitate. I'm out forever. I'm done. I tried serving in church once. They burnt me out. I can't serve again. I'm done. I, I, I tried letting people in once. I tried pulling people close once, but, but, but they hurt me. They burnt me. I, I'm, I'm done. And the biggest problem with this is that so often when we put this mask on, we still want people's company. We still want people to come close to us. We still want people to love on us, but we can't open ourselves enough to let that love in where it needs to go. And so we feel more and more alone, more and more a victim. See, and, and putting on my mask, for me, I so often feel like I'm protecting myself. But in reality, I'm not. I'm, I'm just hiding my problems and letting them fester, letting them go rotten, letting them get nasty. And at the same time, I'm weakening my ability for my faith to function how it needs to. See, maybe this morning there's something in your life you need to throw off. There's something that's turning your scissors that, that should cut, that should function, that should help you into safety scissors. That your faith isn't real, it's not functioning, it doesn't touch the ground in everyday life. Maybe it's a mistake that you let define you. Man, I did this and now this is who I am. I've made this mistake, and now I am the mistake. Maybe it's, it's an image you're trying to maintain. No, I'm competent. I don't need to ask anyone for help. I, I don't need to look like I need help. I don't need to share my problems with anyone. I am strong, and I can do it on my own. Maybe, maybe there's a mask that you need to drop so that you can run the road God called you to travel. Paul goes on in Ephesians to say, I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. My second point this morning is that real faith has a purpose. See, what, what's the purpose of your faith? 
because the wrong purpose will have us sitting on our hands or wandering down a path that goes nowhere. Have you ever ended up in a place and not known how you got there? I did that on Friday, right? We were driving uh, the youth over to Masterton because we had like a combined thing. And on the other side of the Rimatakas, right? So when you're in kind of the, the Masterton side, there was really, really thick fog. And we were driving through it. And I was uh, navigating at the time. Laura was driving because she's awesome. And uh, we, we get up to a turn off and I was like, ah, oh, Laura, you turn left here. She was like, okay, turn left here. And we start going down the road. And I was like, this is not where we were meant to turn. This is not the way to a Cooper's church mastered in. I think we're lost. I was like, Laura, we need to turn around. And we're already running late. Sorry, my bad. Right? But has that ever happened to you? Because I was so sure when we got to that turn off. I was like, well, you drive into Masterton, There's a turn off to the left. This is it. Don't see any other turn offs to the left. Go this way. How often does that happen to us in life, right? You're going along. You're like, oh, well, you know, I feel like I need to take a left turn. That looks like a left turn. I'll go that way. And then you follow the road down a little bit, and you're like, this is not where I thought I would end up in my life. <laughs> this is not what I thought would happen. This is not the place that I felt that God was, was calling me to. See, if, if our faith doesn't have a purpose, it's all too easy to feel lost, to, surreal, to feel surrounded by fog in the countryside somewhere. See, I, I want to play a game, and we played this a couple of weeks ago uh, at, at night when I was speaking around uh, a similar idea. But I, I want to... Just say a word, and, and I don't want you to think. I just want you to shout back the opposite of that word to me. All right? Do we all understand? We're on board with the game. We get it. Okay, cool. The opposite of good is nice. The opposite of light is the opposite of faith is. Well, some of you were there. You, you heard it. I heard, I heard doubt. I heard the right answer. Right, <laughs> the right answer. What I think is the right answer. I, I heard maybe the opposite of faith is fear. Right? So often in my life, I, I can think that the opposite of, of faith is, is doubt, or the, or the opposite of faith is, is fear. But, but what if this morning I want to suggest that maybe the opposite of faith isn't an absence at all? Maybe the opposite of faith is, is a presence. What if the absence of faith, the opposite of faith, is certainty? Right? Because the purpose of faith, it isn't to comfort us. The purpose of faith isn't to give us warm fuzzies. That the, Then a life of faith isn't one that is comfortable, right? If the purpose of faith isn't to comfort us, isn't to give us certainty, then it's not designed to bring us comfort. It's, it's not designed to help us figure everything else. Then a life of faith is one that's lived on the edge. A life of faith is one trusting God, maybe full of doubt, but, but still operating in faith, right? Then, then faith isn't certainty, and then faith isn't a feeling, so it doesn't matter how I'm feeling in a moment, I can still have faith. It doesn't matter if I'm sweating bullets as I drive Emma to the hospital, I can still have faith. God, I'm feeling freaked out in this moment, but I still have faith that everything's going to be all right, that you're going to come through to me. God, I'm driving to the same emergency room that the last time I was in it, my nephew died, but God, I still have faith that it's going to be all right. I still have faith that you're with me. I still have faith that, that, that you have everything in your hand and you're in control. See, the opposite of faith is to stay in places that you are so familiar with, that you are so comfortable in, that you don't need anything bigger than you, that you don't need God. Thus, this, this certainty is the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith is that you have it all figured out because otherwise we have faith that is safety scissors. We have a faith and, and we're trying to do something. We're, we've dulled the edge of it. We've allowed it to be masked. We've turned it into something that, that's for our safety, not for its function. 
that that's designed to protect us, and at the expense of protecting us, it can no longer do what we need it to do. And, and so then we come up against a problem in life, and we, and we try and cut through it. Like, why is this not working? Why am I trying to cut and it's just not moving through? Why am I not making the progress I need to make? God, where are you in this situation? But actually, we're not applying faith. We're applying safety scissors to a problem. And so our faith becomes a tool that's been dulled and it can't accomplish what it's meant to. Because it's not actually our faith. right? It's, Jordan talked about it the other week. It's not our ability to make something happen with our willpower. Our faith is our faithfulness in Jesus' faithfulness. It's our ability to trust in the fact that He is faithful, that He was said that He'll be with us, that He has said He'll follow it through to completion, and we can trust Him in that moment. So he said, what happens here is real faith, faith with a purpose, not to make us comfortable, but to see a world changed, it's risky. And so often in my life, I want to dream small dreams. I want to dream achievable dreams. Anyone else ever felt that? Like, yeah, I'd love to see that happen, but I'm going to scale it back to here because that, that seems like I can do it. Right? That seems accomplishable, which is like putting a, a mask over our scissors, dulling the edge to the point that, that actually we're believing for something that it's, it's just not the same. It, it just, it's, it's, it's not. I don't know if you saw last week, but uh, there was an article in Stuff and it was, it was about Arise Church and Reggie Dabbs. Did anyone read that? Right, basic crux of the article was Arise Church uh, did what we do for Revolution Tour. They went into some schools. Um, they had Reggie Dabbs come in and give a motivational speech. They gave out some free food, I think. And at the end, they uh, said, anyone that wants a flyer promoting our, our church, we've got flyers. You don't have to take one, but if you'd like a flyer, come grab one, right? which is what we're allowed to do because if someone wants information, you're allowed to give it to them. You can't be like, hey, you, take, right? That's bad. And you also can't be like, you want pizza? Yeah, take a flyer, right? So, so those are kind of the rules. And um, th- this journalist who I then, I went and stalked him on Twitter and he's like an outspoken atheist and whatnot. So, you know, which isn't bad, but he's definitely not an objective journalist and didn't try to be. Um, and so he puts together this article that is like, oh, man, you know, they're doing stealth evangelism. They're, they're trying to trick people into coming Christian. I'm like, well, the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to go along to a thing on a Friday night that's not getting drunk, and then they're going to get delivered home safely. So uh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> um, and, and, and so he kind of he rips into it, and, and, and the, the crux of the article was he found this talking head, like a guy who basically said what he wanted him to say, who had been to Arise Church around about seven years ago, and had left for some reason, which is, which is really sad, um, but, but had a whole lot of bad things to say about Arise. And, and, and the, the kind of the, the punch point of the article where they were like, yeah, now we've got them, was um, he interviewed the guy, and, and, and the guy said that Arise had a sinister agenda to see a nation one for Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I read that, and I was like, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. Because you just don't understand, right? This guy who's saying that, this, this guy who's, who's writing this article, that they don't get that, that this is a big dream, that Arise has a dream to see a nation one for Jesus, but so does Equippers Church Wellington, and so does Elam Church, and so does C3, and so does The Rock, right? That, that we have a, a dream to see a nation one for Jesus, and they don't get that a nation one for Jesus means a nation of people who know that they have a hope in a future. It is an, a nation of people that, that know that they're made for something more, that they are loved unconditionally, that they are a masterpiece of the creator of the universe, right? So he's saying this thing like, oh, they want to 
But he doesn't understand that this dream is big and it's beautiful and it's amazing. But see, the thing is, is when you dream a dream, that's not a safety scissor dream. When you dream a dream with an edge to it, when you dream a dream that can cut, that requires real faith, some people are going to misunderstand it. When you dream a dream that says to your family, I want to see you all in church, they might not get it. And that doesn't mean you whack them over the head with a dream. It doesn't mean you walk up to random people on the street and say, nation one for Jesus. Right? It, it needs to be delivered in a way that actually delivers it or else you're not giving them anything. But this dream, some people might not get it. But the purpose of faith isn't to make us comfortable. See, see, this morning, what's the purpose of your faith? Why did you show up today? What is the level of your expectation? Because if we're not careful, we'll end up judging how Jesus saves the world, how Jesus heals the world, rather than being a part of it. See, uh, Paul continues in Ephesians, and I'll just get Ali up to play on the guitar. He continues in Ephesians to say, and mark that you do this with humility and discipline not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. See, my, my third point this morning is that real faith is regular. See, what, what's the occasion for your faith? What's the occasion for my faith? Is, is my faith kind of a, a fits and starts kind of faith? Do, do we show up to church and, and, and start having our quiet times when our life starts to fall apart, but, but then when it's okay again, we, we pull back. We put church back on the shelf and we'll say, I'll, I'll get you again when I need you. Could I describe my faith as one of humility and discipline in which I'm at church not just for, for my needs, but for the community of others? where I'm not just looking to be poured into, but I'm also looking to pour myself out, where I'm noticing that someone is down and helping them to mend their life, where I'm at church for others just as much as I am for me. See, growing up, I had a motorbike, uh, mainly because I was just very, very cool, obviously, right? Um, and, and that motorbike, uh, I, I started riding a, a motorbike, or I started riding a scooter from about 15, changed to a motorbike at about 17. Uh, and the main reason was is because I didn't really want to learn how to drive a car, I tried, and my dad got mad at me, so I was like, I'm just going to drive a motorbike, it's much easier, right? No one's on the back of it telling me how to drive it, I just go out and crash it, and then I figure it out. Um, and, and so I started riding a motorbike to, to school, I started riding a motorbike everywhere. And then when, when Emma and I got married, she had a car, and I discovered that when it is wet and windy, it's much nicer to be inside a car than it is on a motorbike, right? And, and so my, my motorbike started getting uh, ridden just a little bit less, just a little bit, you know, um, especially in the, the winter months, and, and it would kind of sit outside our house because we didn't have a garage and, and I'd come and, you know, pat it lovingly as I walked past it and, and it would really, it just became like a thing for my ego. Like I was like, yeah, look at my motorbike, I'm awesome, I don't ride it, um, if we're honest. And, and, and so then I'd come to, to start it, right? And it would always be on like a morning where Emma had already gone somewhere or I needed to go somewhere early and, and I was running late because if Emma hasn't set the alarm, it's, oh man, we're in trouble, right? I am not a self-sufficient individual. And so uh, I'd get up and I'd be like, oh, I gotta get out of the house, I'm, my meeting starts in five minutes. And so I'd get, and I'd go to start my motorbike and I'd be like, I'd jump on it, like, ding, ding, ring, ding. That's the noise it would make, right? Ring, ding. I'd be like, come on, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> and it just wouldn't start. Because what would happen is I'd just leave it for, for sometimes a month without riding. And, and it, it wasn't broken or anything, but the battery would lose its charge. And so I'd have to take the motorbike, and I wasn't going to ride that today. So I'd have to take that inside, and I had a battery conditioner inside because I did this a lot. 
uh, and I'd plug it into the battery conditioner and, and charge it back up and it would be fine by the next night. Right? But how often in, in, in life is our faith a motorbike that we don't ride much? Right, that, that, that we don't really touch unless we really need it. It's kind of a fits and starts type of faith. And, and when we need it, we'd run outside because we're running late and we hop on our motorbike and we're like, come on, faith. Come on, God. Ring, ding, ring, ding. Why can't I feel you? Ring, ding, ring, ding. Why aren't you touching down in my life? Ring, ding, ring, ding. Why don't I feel peace right now, God? Oh, wait, I haven't been to church in an entire month and I don't really understand how to get into your presence at the moment because I've just, it's not been a priority for me. My faith is fits and starts and, and, and my battery is low. I need to just get into some prayer and just push into you before I get that tingly feeling that I had last month. See, are we regular in our faith? Are we aware of the fact that, that maybe you need to be in church today for what's going to happen to you in a month's time? That maybe your friend who's not here, who you don't want to tell you should be in church because you don't want to be that person, they actually need to be sitting in the seat next to you because something's going to happen to them in a month where, where they needed to hear this and they needed to be lifted up by our corporate worship and they needed to be topped up. So the point came when, when they felt like they were poured out a little bit, they weren't on zero. They had some reserves to keep on going on. See, is, is our faith a fits and starts type of faith or, or is it regular? You know, is it the type of faith where for a few months we, we don't believe for anything because we're comfortable at the moment, so why would I pray for Wellington? Is it the type of faith where I'm not under financial strain, so, so why would I pray for provision for them? Life is good, so I stopped my quiet time. I, I don't need it. I can just sleep in longer. See, faith isn't a course of antibiotics that we take until we fix a problem. Faith is a lifestyle. And if we let it sit, it will rust. Now hear me, faith will never die. Faith will, will never die. But it's unreasonable of us to expect our faith to be functional, to be real, if we only start it up when we need it. See, my fourth point today is, as I finish, is that real faith is permeated by oneness. Real faith unifies. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 to 6, You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present on all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness permeated with oneness. What, what would that look like? Permeate is a, is a verb meaning to pass into or through every part of. A, a synonym is to saturate. See, Paul is saying here that we need to be saturated with unity, that, that we need to be saturated with unity both in how we think inwardly and how we act outwardly. And Paul goes on in the next verse to say, this doesn't mean that we're carbon copies. This doesn't mean that we're all the same. This doesn't mean that we don't disagree. This doesn't mean that we don't have discussions, right? But, but what it does mean is that even in those disagreements, everything that we do, the goal is, is being together. I'm going to disagree with you, but I'm going to disagree with you in such a way that at the end of this disagreement, we might not agree, but we are still together. I, I'm, I'm going to feel something about what we're doing and I'm going to talk to you about it, but I'm going to talk to you about it in such a way that the goal at the end is being together. And often what this looks like is acting sooner rather than later. 
right? When you have a thought, when you have an issue, when you feel something is wrong, don't sit on it. Because when we sit on it, what happens is it's literally like making alcohol, right? It sits and it starts to go rotten. And then as it starts to go rotten, sugars are released and, and alcohol is starting to be produced and, and carbon dioxide starts to get produced and, and we start to kind of shake it up as we walk around. And then all of a sudden we've got this, this thing inside of us that someone asks, how are you? And you take off the top and it's like an explosion. Right, how am I? Let me tell you, I'm mad about this, and I'm mad about this, and I'm mad about this. And at the end of a very messy two-hour conversation, you find out and the other person finds out that really it was just about this one thing that got under your skin and sat there and became a bigger thing. And your reaction to it ended up being so much bigger than the problem was in the first place. See, can we be a church that is permeated with oneness, that, that has the courage to say to each other, hey, when you said this, I, I think I might have been offended. Did you mean it like this? Give each other the benefit of the doubt, the opportunity to respond in love, to say, man, w w when we came up with, with this idea and it didn't happen, I, I felt like maybe you didn't respect what I was suggesting. Was, was that what happened? Rather than, so often I make my own conclusions, right? I don't know if you do this. This happened, so it must mean this. That this happened, so, so they must have been thinking this. See, Paul is saying that we need to be saturated with unity. When we realize that we are called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, we realize that we're walking the same way with the same people. We might as well walk together. We might as well do it as one. See, you know, so much of the Bible is written with this assumed understanding of community. That, that you and I would understand that God is all about the church. See, Jesus said he would build his church, and, and he didn't mean a Sunday meeting. Jesus didn't mean, man, I'm going I'm to get attendance up to 200. That's what I died for. He meant that he'd build a community of people dedicated to following God together. See, and, and, and as the rest of the band comes up, we're going to finish in. And I think we'll go into a, a, a time of worship. But as we do, I just want you to close your eyes. I just want you to take a moment and, and imagine what, what in your wildest dreams would a church permeated with oneness look like? What would a church look like that, that was unified in everything it did? That moved together as one, not, not robbing anyone's individuality, not making people carbon copies. What would a church look like that was beautifully different? that was full of people that, that, were, that were chalk and cheese, but were unified in one idea, in one cause, in one belief. What, what, what would that look like? And, and, and now maybe just ask yourself, where am I potentially detracting from that? Where have I taken issue or offense? And I've just stepped a little bit away. I've just pulled back a little bit. Maybe I've started to, to put on a little bit of a mask. Maybe I've started to hide a little bit of myself. Maybe something is stopping you from being on the same road and in the same direction, together, outwardly and inwardly. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's fine. Maybe it's just a little idea you need to tuck in your back pocket. And the next time something happens, just think, wait a second. Am I permeated with oneness? Am I unified in this? Is there something here that I just... I need to not let it sit under my, sin, uh, under my skin and get infected. I, I just need to dig at it a little bit. Take it out. Take it to the person and say, hey, I've got this. Did you mean to put this here or was this, was this an accident?
See, because here's the thing. If, if we're to have a real faith, we need to be free. We need to not wear a mask. We need to be honest with who we are and where we're at and to throw off the weight of our mistakes and our guilt and our shame and our past hurts and our sins. If we're to have a real faith, we need to have a purpose to align ourselves with something more than us, with, with something bigger. A faith that isn't about security and certainty, but about risks and change, about love and hope. A faith that isn't designed to keep us feeling safe, but can cut through things. We need to be regular. Not, not treating faith as a fix to a problem like a medicine, but, but to realize that it's a lifestyle. And we need to allow this faith to unify us to be permeated by oneness. So just as you're you're all here this morning, just as you bow your heads one more time and close your eyes, I just want to pray for us that we would know a real faith. God, thank you that you are real. And because you are real, we can have a real faith in you. God, a faith that touches the ground, a faith that that changes our lives, a faith that, that makes Wednesday different, God. A faith that can't be contained in just a Sunday, but that, that goes throughout the rest of our lives, goes throughout the, the rest of our world, that, that changes things. And God, wherever we're at, in, in any one of those four areas, if there's something at the moment that's stopping us from having the faith that we need, God, help us to, to realize it, help us to, to, to see the problem, and help us to do something about it, to pray it through with someone to talk about it with someone, to, to just be aware of it and, and start working on it ourselves, God. Let us be a church that moves forward in you, unified by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Hey, and just, just one more time, uh, what I'd like to do is every Sunday, we, we always make sure that there's an opportunity that, that if someone's here and they don't know God yet, that they can respond and, and, and make that decision. So again, as you're here, I know you just opened your eyes, but just close your eyes again really quickly. If you're here this morning and, and you know that, that this faith, for you at the moment, all you manage to have faith in is you. When a problem comes along in your life, the, the person you turn to to help you to get through it is you. When, when you come up against something, the, the, the solution has to be found in you. That really, if you're honest, if you look at your life, you've asked yourself to be God. You have to keep things working. This morning, if you don't want that to be the case anymore, if you want to ask God into your life, if you want to ask Him to be your God, to, to move with you, to, to take that responsibility off of you, I just want you to raise your hand now just to let me know that, that you want to pray a prayer with me. I'm just going to give it a few seconds. If that's you here this morning and you want to pray this prayer, cool. Hey, I haven't seen any hands, which is awesome. Why don't you stand to your feet? And uh, what's our time? We've got a little bit of time. Hey, the band's just going to lead us uh, in, in a song, just really short. And, and as they do, I just want you to take this opportunity just to reflect, where in my life is my faith maybe less real than I need it to be? Where in my life do I just need to push into God a little bit more and say, I need you to help me to, to sort this out. It feels like I've got safety scissors more than real scissors. I need a faith that cuts. Come on, why don't you join us?